Dogs are an important part of our lives. That means protecting them from parasites. Ask your vet about NexGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and Pyrantal chewable tablets. NexGuard Plus chews provide one-and-done monthly protection against fleas, ticks, heartworm disease, roundworms, and hookworms. Plus, they're delicious and easy to give. Use with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurologic disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting a preventive. Ask about NexGuard Plus Chews. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Been of um, Keon White, you know, this summer and into Nether here in his debut. Yeah, he's getting better. Uh, you know, uh, uh, we'll have to look at the film on the game. The scheme worked well, and we, we liked the way we played, the, the, the choices that we've, we've settled in on uh, uh, for the way we basically play. Um, the calls worked out really well tonight. How would you rate Bailey's appies? Uh Yeah, we'll take a look at it. Uh, you know, didn't turn the ball over. Thought he, you know, had some good throws and there's some tough situations, some long yardage or some pressure. So. Really physical. Our guys on the sidelines were going crazy for him. Uh, he, he has had a great, a great start with us. Take a look at it. We got back to playing football. I mean, that, it's it's just heartwarming to see that. Bill, how did you think Bryce did uh, with the pun game? Uh, he was he was in there for the first half. Yeah. Okay, we'll take a look at it. Bill Belichick doesn't need a. Preseason. He's in midseason form all year long. What a difference, too. The two elder statesmen in the NFL at the head coaching position. Pete Carroll, Bill Belichick. Pete Carroll, happy, enthused, spry. Bill Belichick, curmudgeonly cantankerous. No different than he was 30 years ago. Good morning, Miles Simmons. Welcome back. Nice to see you today. We only had you for an hour last week. We're making you do the full two hours today, whether you want to or not. Uh, Good morning. I know. It's like, you know, you got young and spry over here on this side and then old and curmudgeonly on the other side, except both of those guys are old and I'm not nearly as old as you. So your joke just doesn't work. The comparison (laughs) is irrelevant. You just wanted to take a shot. That's fine. That's fine. It is. Yes, I did. I did just want to take a shot. And I, I feel like it worked for me. And you know what? Most of my jokes are for me. You know, it's an audience of me. And then like my best friend also really enjoys my jokes, but he is not awake at this hour on the West Coast. And he's not even in this country. He's actually at a bachelor party this weekend. So that joke was for me and only me. And now you know what? I'm okay with it. 4 a.m. local time for miles up and early as we finally have some preseason games to talk about other than the hall of fame game we talked about that last week two games last night the show pft live by the way peacock series xm 85 sky sports action which at some point will be converting 
yet again to Sky Sports NFL. They've yet to get the memo at Sky that the NFL is relevant all year long. For most of the year, it's Sky Sports Action. But again, Sky Sports NFL coming back soon. Podcast anywhere that you get your podcast material. Thank you if you're listening there. We'll have Peter King coming up later as he continues his training camp tour. But we're going to get to the two games that we had last night. And this is how I like to digest all of my NFL action. One game at a time. I would have no complaints whatsoever, Miles, if there were games every night of the week because you can watch one game at a time, appreciate one game at a time, react to one game at a time, and understand one game at a time. So that's what it was last Uh night. Texans-Patriots followed by Seahawks-Vikings. And it is still preseason. You know, it's funny. I try to get myself as excited as I can because football is back. But at some point, fairly early into the process, it's like, yeah, I don't know who these guys are. And it doesn't count. It doesn't mean anything in the standing. So the stakes aren't the way they usually would be. But still, it was great to have football back. And it was great to see, as we did, for a couple of drives, one of the high-profile rookies, C.J. Stroud, the Texans quarterback, played a couple of drives. Gave me a scare when he was sacked early. I thought he got his left leg caught under the individual who was bringing him down to the ground, and I thought that ankle was going to be injured, and I was very happy and relieved to see him pop right up. But, you know, we didn't get to see a whole lot of C.J. Stroud, and that's the thing. There it is right there. I I really thought, I really thought that that was going to be an injury for him. Then on the next play, he rolls to his left, gains a few yards on second and 25, and then came... The capper. Oh well, that's that's a that's a good one. There's a capper later where he throws the interception on that opening drive, uh, where Jalen Mills picks it off. But he was off. You know, look, it's his first NFL action, and it doesn't count. And you know, I look. I mean, I'm not gonna put a grade on the guy. It's he's he's still got a way to go. And uh, you know, the value is getting out there being in uniform, going through the pregame machinations and doing your best when you have a chance to play. But, you know, it's too early to say anything. It's too early to draw any conclusions. He he didn't play long enough for us to really say, wow, hey, 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 he looks the part. But, yeah, there were some rough spots. Oh, oh, and he was in New England going against the Patriots to start his career. Yeah, I mean, that's not an ideal place probably to start your first game even if it is an exhibition game that doesn't count and frankly I don't know that the Texans really set him up for success and I say that because he didn't have his two starting tackles out there with him so when it's like okay you only see two drives and you think CJ Stroud needs to play more because he does because he's a rookie but then you see that his two tackles aren't there and on that sack that you were talking about The right tackle absolutely whiffs on the block, and that's why he's in the backfield so quickly. And then the other problem there is that there are no real solutions built into the play because it's a two-man route that's supposed to have max protection. And it seems like they were maybe trying to take a shot there, and I don't know exactly what the play that was called, and I don't have access to the coach's film, you know, especially of a preseason game that happened, you know, on August 10th. So that's one thing or another. But if you look at that play closely – That to me is where it's like, man, I don't know if the Texans coaching staff really did the best job there for him, because if you're playing without your two starting tackles, the right tackle whiffs, there's no solution for you to get rid of the ball quickly. I mean, 
this is not going to go particularly well for you. And so that's why, to me, it's kind of like, all right, well, at a certain point, yeah, just get him out of there so that he doesn't get hurt, right? Or so that nothing else negative exactly happens. So, I mean, it's not really an impressive debut, but I don't know how impressive it's going to be when you don't have your two starting tackles out there with you. You're just not necessarily in the best position to make plays. Let's hear it straight from two of the most relevant individuals to the conversation as to whether or not C.J. Stroud was happy with what occurred last night. Head coach D'Amico Ryan's in his first NFL game and Stroud talking after the uh, game ended. I was going to say, who won that game? I don't even know. Oh, Texans won. So they won. (laughs) So be happy. D'Amico Ryan's and C.J. Stroud. There it is. I see it right now. I had forgotten. Here they are talking about it. It says here on the card. Thought he moved around well. Was he? Went to the right place with the ball a couple of times, you know, and it was good to see him move out of the pocket and try to make some things happen there. We know we have some things to clean up up front. I right? don't want him having to move as much, but we all have things to clean up and get better at. But I thought it was a, a good first outing, good look at live action. So I thought it was good for him. Just wish I didn't do one mistake on one certain play. But other than that, thought I played solid. It felt good to get hit again. Um, and just get back in the groove. I just think that preseason, that's what preseason is for. It's important uh, just to get back and put your feet back in the water. So, um, I'm not of course, I'm not super excited how I play. I didn't get to play a lot, but uh, just get my feet in the water, learn from my mistakes, and just keep growing. It's not one, that one throw you like back. What would you learn from that? What you see? Just keep, trust my eyes. Um, I've seen a certain look to where um, I knew in film that they could run that to where the safety – if his man blocks, that he'll come off and uh, really be locked into my eyes, and um, just lost lost track of that, and um, just forced it. Should have just checked it down to, to Dalton, but um, it was a great play by two. By kind of just hiding out, uh, it kind of was ducking low, so I didn't really see him. Thought I threw a good pass, but um, of course it wasn't. So hell uh, of a play by number two, and just put that in my back pocket and learn from it. So. Yeah, number two is Jalen Mills. Impressive that there's some film study before these preseason games, although Bill Belichick apparently rope-a-doping C.J. Stroud, and who knows how much affirmative effort was put in to trying to fool C.J. Stroud going into this game. But I want to go back to something you said earlier, because at a certain point, when you don't have enough of your starting offensive linemen, you really are taking a bit of a reckless chance with the most important player in your franchise. And Mm -hmm. it's probably smart they got him out of there after a couple of drives. I don't Mm -hmm. know if they intended to play him longer than that, but that's always one of the concerns. Can the quarterback protect himself, and can we protect him with the guys that we have on the field? That's why you'll often see if the rookie, the most cherished possession from the most recent draft— isn't the starter, and that doesn't happen very often anymore. You don't want to put him out there behind the backup offensive line for very long in training camp. So that's an intriguing balance that you got to strike between getting your guy ready and possibly getting in a position where he's not going to be ready because he's got some injury that he's dealing with to start the season. Yeah, Mike, and that's what I'm saying. That's why I just didn't really like the approach that they were taking last night. I mean, if you're going to put somebody out there who needs the snaps, I understand that, you know, your tackles, they're veterans, they don't necessarily need the snaps, but you want your guy to be working with the guys he's going to be working with. And especially as an offensive line, that thing is a unit. So if you're having the the starting interior line play with two dudes 
that they're not necessarily used to working with. Yeah, sometimes that's good because it means that other guys are going to get reps and yeah, you got to get used to that and that, that, that. But I just don't like the principle of sending the number two overall pick, somebody who you want to be the face of the franchise. You don't send them out there to play a Bill Belichick defense. And, you know, he's almost got one hand tied behind his back. I, I just, I don't like the principle of it. I also don't really like the principle of just kind of taking that shot down deep. If we're, at least that's what it looked like in that particular situation where the sack comes because then that ruins the entire drive. So it's like, what's exactly going on here? What's the approach? And I think, you know, some of that comes with you have a first-time head coach, right? You got a first-time offensive coordinator, and everybody's going to learn exactly what the right things to do are. So not everything is going to go exactly smoothly. So you're probably right in you needed to get him out of there at that point. And as we look at the pick again, it's like, okay, the windows are smaller here now, C.J. Stroud, than they were when you were in college, right? Maybe that's a completion in college because, you know, you see where he's doing. You see he gets to the top of that, 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 that. But when it's third and 20 plus, just take the check down. You're back in so far in negative territory. You take the check down and let your special teams and defense do the work at that point. But like that, that's not a throw you need to be making at the NFL level. I think that's a completion in college only if they move the nose tackle to safety for that play because Jalen Mills was lurking there the entire time, ready to pounce on it. It wasn't even a great play by him. It was right to him. He jumped right onto it, and it shows you not only are the windows smaller, but but you better be aware of where everybody is. You develop an instinct over time based upon the pre-snap looks and your film study and just your overall instinct where those guys are going to move to the moment you get the ball in your hands and you need to have that constant, not just peripheral vision, but your entire field of vision. You need to be seeing just where those bodies are moving, which way, and you need to know and you need to be able to trust what you think you see and obviously early for C.J. Stroud. I really don't like the amount of contact he took, running the ball, the hit that he took. And the thing that made me extra sensitive about that original hit. If we can show it again, there's been so much talk about the hip drop tackle and that technique of putting your weight onto the legs of the player as you bring him to the ground. And they they haven't taken the hip drop tackle out of the game. And that's basically where you just grab the guy and you fall down on him. Instead of tackling him, you just use your weight to pull him down and you land on him and his leg can get twisted up and his ankle can get sprained or broken. You see all that weight land on C.J. Stroud's legs. That's why I my, that, that left leg, I was like, uh-oh, there it went. And fortunately for him, it didn't. But, but that's the kind of thing that just makes you very concerned about the long-term health and well-being of a quarterback. He's got to avoid getting himself in situations like that. He's got to not run the ball oh, well, into yeah. traffic like that, he that, did that's and not, get hit. That's I mean, not, that, that's, that, that sack is not him needing to avoid what well, – I mean, that's the right tackle needing to block. Right. Get in front of your well, man and freaking make that. a block. You're a pro. So like, I, I I hear you. But like, let's well, not put that one on yeah. CJ Stroud. That one isn't on. No, him. no. He did also didn't, well, yeah, he didn't yeah, have but, a solution either. I mean, so it's like I, he, the solution he is his back. The solution foot, is. No, the solution is down. right tackle. When, make a block. The solution is the solution is when the left when the right. And this isn't something you're going to know in your first preseason game. This is something you're going to learn for when you go down the stretch. So you stay healthy. So you don't break your ankle. The next time that happens, get your ass down. Not something you're going to know to do in your first preseason game. It's 
part of the coaching. When it just goes to hell like that, throw the ball into the ground or get your ass down so you don't take that hit. That's my point. It's part of the learning process. And ideally, that's what you do. The problem is you have to get a football player to not want to play football in that instance. It's the Peyton Manning. We used to see him, you know, he would, hey, if the the walls crumble, he goes down. And, And no one says anything about it. Live to play another day. I just, I saw that. I just, look, I, I have that, that half second of, uh-oh, is he going to get up? And, um, you know, it's just part of what C.J. Stroud is going to learn. But, uh, you know, long way to go. And it's one of the reasons why we, we don't know and we won't know how these young quarterbacks are going to do until they get into the games that count and until they have a chance to overcome some early adversity. You don't get that's the problem with preseason. You know, you, you, it's like it's like you're in a boxing match and you get through round one and you got hit a couple times, but you're starting to get the feel for it and you want to keep going. And they, they yank you out of the game. Remember how how perturbed Michael Parsons was the Hall of Fame game a couple of years ago that, you know, he wanted to keep playing. It's like, I'm just getting started. I want to be yeah. out there. I, I want to play the game. And yeah, this is something C.J. Stroud's never done at any level of football. Preseason is new for these for these guys who. Who don't have a the preseason is you you beat up on Middle Tennessee State. You still at least play the full game when you're in college and when you're in high school. You play the full game unless you're up forty two to three. So uh, you know it's just it's part of the process for Stroud. And I feel like of the three guys taken in the top four, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, and Anthony Richardson. Stroud is the one we're going to be paying the least attention to because we have zero expectations for the Texans. They're the one team in the AFC that you would look to and say they have no chance. They, they, they have no chance this year. Not with all those teams well, in the AFC. In the NFC, maybe they would. In the AFC, no chance. So uh, I don't know. How, and then that's good for him. We're not going to be super hypercritical of everything he does this year. And how many times are we going to see a Texans game in a standalone spot where we could break down everything he does into the evening and the next morning and really focus on him? We're, we're not going to get a whole lot of C.J. Stroud this year from a national perspective and uh you know we, we see how he develops and grows but you're right first time head coach first time offensive coordinator first time quarterback not your typical recipe for success at the quarterback position in the nfl it, it's not it's a tough situation for cj stroud and i mean i don't mean that in like a horrible way like oh my gosh there's no way he's gonna have any success i, I don't think that that's true either because, I mean, I believe in D'Amico Ryans as a head coach. I do. I, I don't think that there's any reason to think he's going to be a bad head coach. I don't think that there's any reason to think Slovak is going to be a bad offensive coordinator either. But at a certain point, it's kind of like, well, there are going to be some growing pains. And that's going to be okay as long as you actually grow out of them. Right? You can't just have this where it's going to be all bad all the time. You need to see growing each week and every single week. You got to be able to stack these building blocks. You know, the, what is the goal for the Houston Texans this year? Or Daniel Jeremiah talking about this before the game on NFL Network, right? It's not necessarily, oh, no, they need so many wins. It's can they get better each and every week, right? Are you starting to see the foundation of C.J. Stroud being an actual franchise quarterback. And as long as you get those kinds of things throughout the course of the regular season, then Houston's going to be okay. But, I mean, that last night, probably a night to forget if we're going to talk about, you know, what the Texans are trying to build here. And the bottom line, we're not going to be seeing a whole heck of a lot from Stroud unless they play their way into prime time, whether it's Sunday night, Monday night, or possibly Thursday night now that the three flexing windows are open. One bright spot 
for the Houston Texans, a guy who played at the University of Houston under Dana Holgerson, third-round pick Tank Dell, targeted eight times last night, five catches for 65 yards, and the highlight of the night with the touchdown that he caught late in the first half. There's been some buzz about Tank Dell, and, hey, this is a team that has a lot of young guys and a lot of people who need to prove themselves and Tank Dell checked the box in a positive way last night with the work that he did. And, of course, that's going to be a guy now that people are paying attention to. That's the big name rookie coming out of last night. There's that catch the left front corner of the end zone. Uh, they took a little while to think it over, and they said, yeah, he caught that ball. And right at, it's great, great concentration. You got guys all around, up against the leg, snatches it, secures it before his left leg goes out of bounds. So, you know, something positive for the Texans last night with that extra level of excitement since he's a guy that the Texans fans are used to from his time at the University of Houston. Well, not to take a page out of your book and be negative, Nancy, but catch it the first time, man. Don't make us go to a review on the touchdown. I mean, I'm sorry. Wide receivers have got to catch the ball. Somebody hates exciting plays. The ball is a place where you can catch it. Wow. Was that really exciting? I mean, I don't know. I mean, Tell that to Lynn Swan in Super Bowl X. One of the great highlights of all time. Catch it the first time, and we don't get the great highlight. Okay. Well, I don't know. I mean, if we, somebody catches the immaculate reception, if the immaculate reception actually was caught, then maybe we don't have that great highlight either. Sorry, Raiders fans. But, like, I mean, I don't know. It was good to see him do some things, right, Dell, where he caught that ball over the middle, and then you see him turn the Jets on like that. That's the thing that I get excited about, where you start to see a guy be able to create some stuff in space like that. Man, that's fun to watch, you know? But, you know, man, we're going to catch the ball. We got to catch the ball. And I'm sure that that'll probably be a coaching point that he hears at some point over the next couple of days, too. Wow. Get off my lawn, Miles Simmons says. Catch the ball. Catch Catch the ball the first first time. time. All right. Uh, Flip it over to the Patriots. Mac Jones did not play. He's listed as the starter on the unofficial depth chart. There is no real quarterback controversy in New England. I think Bill Belichick would like to speak one into existence if Bailey Zappi could step up. And Bailey Zappi had an extended opportunity because he doesn't like Mac Jones. I don't think he likes Mac Jones. I don't know who likes Mac Jones. Why why did you pick him then? I mean, you you drafted this guy to develop him. That was two years ago. Right, but you draft him based you, upon the information you have available me two to you years at the ago, time. You like me? Well, that's right. Well, two years have passed by. I'll let you decide how I feel now. <laughs> I may have felt one way in 2021. I might feel differently now. That's not for today. That's not on the sheet. The score for last night's game is my feelings about you, not on the sheet. We can call an audible if you would like. If you really want to go there. We can do it. Uh, so Bailey Zappi had extended playing time last night, played into the third quarter like they used to do in the preseason when the starters would play that dress rehearsal third game. Now it's all upside down. We don't know what any coach plans to do in any preseason game. And we didn't know what Belichick planned to do because he wouldn't say so. Bailey Zappi, 12 for 14, 79 yards, sacked twice, no picks, no touchdowns. I really do believe, and this is just my own personal gut feeling. I think Bill Belichick would be as delighted as he ever is, which means not very delighted at all, if Bailey Zappi would outplay Mac Jones. I really do think he would like that. And Bailey Zappi had plenty of chances last night to develop, plenty of chances to play, plenty of chances to get to his maximum ceiling in the NFL, whatever it may be.
I mean, I thought a Tyquan Thornton was kind of nice. It might have been a better catch by him. I mean, than it was of the throw. I don't know. But uh, if you're trying to speak Bailey Zappi into existence, I mean, like, what are we gonna do? Quote Mean Girls, like fetch. Like, I don't know if fetch is really gonna happen here. I don't know if Bailey Zappi is really gonna become all of a sudden this franchise quarterback. I mean, when he got extended playing time last year, it's kind of like, okay, he's fine. But really, what are we doing? So. I don't know. I mean, you're not scheming at this point. Zappi has experience. He's started games in the NFL, so he should go out there against a a Houston team that, you know, is not necessarily playing its best guys for very long. You know, like, again, it's a first-time head coach. Like, you should kind of look the part in those situations. I think he did, but to me, that part is backup quarterback. So, I don't know how much we're really going to learn from Bailey Zappi going out there and playing that way. That's fine. But man, I mean, if you were to speak a a quarterback competition into existence, it's like, I don't, I don't know why. I don't know how that makes the team better, you know? And to me, like that doesn't do anything good for you. If all you're doing is being like, Oh, everybody's competing when you're talking about your quarterback, The, the, the guys need to know who the leader of the team is. And it's very obvious that it's Mac Jones. So I don't, I, I just, I don't really get that from Bill Belichick, but he has, you know, six Super Bowl rings as a head coach and I don't. So there it is. And he also has periodic instances that are confounding and confusing as to the decisions he makes that may be for reasons other than football, like why Malcolm Butler was stationed on the sideline for the entirety, <laughs> almost, except for special teams. I think one special team snap for Malcolm Butler in Super Bowl 52, where if they just put the guy on the field, maybe they would have slowed down the Eagles offense enough to win that game, and he'd have seven Super Bowl wins, not just six. So, after the game, it was time for Bailey Zappi to activate the Stepford Patriot program and go to the microphone and say as little as possible. I have no idea what he said. I'm just predicting he said as little as possible. Here's Bailey Zappi after the game. Like every game, there's goods and bads. Um, so the good part about it, we're in preseason still. We can come tomorrow. We can watch film. Um, we can learn from the bad and improve on the good stuff. So, um, you know, it's not always as bad as you think, and it's not always as good as you think when you go back and watch the film. So that's the good part about it. We get to go back tomorrow and get back to work. I mean, we want what's best for the team. Um, we want to win, no matter who's out there. Um, Lee came in and did a phenomenal job, led, you know, did a really good drive, had a really good drive, scored the only touchdown of the game, um, did really good in both run game and the pass game, and it was really nice to see him do that, um, especially his first game in the NFL, to be able to go out there and kind of put the jitters aside and play like he did was really good to see and um you know i think you know like everybody i'm sure he had he had those little nerves little jitters in the first play or so but you know as the drive went on you could tell he got comfortable with it so to be able to see him score a touchdown and how excited he got was you know was really good i did a poor job mm. as i often do setting that up it was malik cunningham commentary on the back end when he seemed almost surly to be talking about a quarterback other than himself but i want to get your impression of his stance in the first part of that, he was standing there like guy who isn't as jacked as he thinks he is with his hands on his <laughs> hips. Like he's trying to show off his musculature and it's really not what he thinks it is. That was kind of my take on, on, uh, I don't know. It was just kind of like, I don't know where to put my arms. That was the second part. The first part where he's got his hands on his hips. It's kind of like, it's just like some, I don't know, some, some kind of strange body language. They need to work on There it is. Look at that. Like, uh, yeah, I'm jacked. Uh, no, Kenny Banya, you're not as jacked as you think you are. And you have no idea who Kenny Banya is, by the way, but everybody else watching the show presumably no, does bro. if they're Seinfeld aficionados. 
But, uh, yeah, the Stepford Patriot program maybe needs a little refinement. They need to work on some of the code with Bailey Zappi. And obviously he didn't say much, but but he said what people were buzzing about after the game, Malik Cunningham. Maybe they got something there. Maybe that's the controversy we should try to speak into existence. Malik Cunningham uh, giving the Patriots something to think about with his throwing and running abilities, Miles. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I thought he did the step for Patriots well when it comes to the monotone, you know, just, oh, yeah, I'm using another cliche and this is a cliche and this is another cliche and somehow it forms a sentence. You know, that, that I think Bill Belichick should be very proud of him for that. But, you know, Malik Cunningham, yeah, he, he did a good job. I mean, we talked about chaos agents last week, you know, and Chris Streveler and uh, uh, Thompson Robinson, DTR for the Browns. I mean, it's another guy that maybe you see a little bit of that in. Um, when it comes to Cunningham, he did a good job. You know, like Bailey Zappi said, went th- uh, through the only touchdown um, drive of that game for the Patriots. So that's something to build upon. But again, when you're playing third, fourth stringers, you know, toward the end of a preseason game, you want to see positives. But I don't know. How much are we really building upon there? You know, and th- this whole separate Patriot thing, we joke about it. But, but it's real from the standpoint that Belichick beats them down to not say anything and I recall a time and maybe this is just a fandom recollection as to who it was I'm pretty sure it was Terrence Knighton was on this show at one point talking about how he got in trouble simply because he praised a teammate in a press conference said a guy was doing a really good job and he thought hey you know what I'm being a good teammate I'm, I'm saying this guy did a good job I wonder I wonder if Bailey Zappi gets in trouble for talking about Malik Cunningham because what happened with Terrence Knighton after he praised a teammate, he got chastised. It's not your job to be talking about any of your teammates. It's not your job to worry about what your teammates are doing, good, bad, or otherwise. You shouldn't be talking about that. So, uh, so there may be what a he coaching point. What's he supposed to do if he gets like, asked the question? I mean, like, I, I, you know, I don't what he know. does. You know, he does. Well, that sounds got, worse. I don't, I, I no, you say, you know what, I'm I'm focused on getting myself better and I, I support all my teammates and it's up to the coaches to evaluate how anybody else does. I need to focus yes. on my job. I, that's what happened to Terrence Knighton. That's what he was told. He got jumped on by probably Belichick personally for having the audacity to praise a teammate in a public setting. And Knighton was on this show saying those very words. So my point is this, unless Belichick is softened in some way, Someone may be sending the message to Bailey Zappi. If you do get asked about another teammate, keep it simple, keep it short, and keep it very basic and vanilla and noncommittal. It's not your job to comment on the skills and abilities of your teammates. It's your job to focus on your own skills and abilities. And again, that's why we get these guys that are deer in the headlights. They're afraid about anything they say because anything they say can and will be used against them by this hypersensitive coaching staff that is obsessed with every word that comes out of the mouth of every person in the organization, with a few very, very rare exceptions. Gronk had the hall pass to do whatever he wanted and say whatever he wanted. He earned it. For everybody else, Mm -hmm. be careful what you say, because you may have somebody up your butt saying, why did you say that? Why did you do that? You shouldn't say that. You shouldn't do that. And, And that's proven over the years with the Patriots. He's a starting quarterback. I don't know what he's supposed to do. I mean, I'm not saying that you're wrong or that the principles are. I don't know. I just what is Wait, he's going to be asked about He's going to be asked about. You said he's players. a starting quarterback. You said Bailey Zappi's oh, a starting quarterback. See, it's working. It's working. 
Yeah, he. I mean, he was the starting it's quarterback happening. of that game. Don't, don't, don't do this. Don't twist my words this I way. I mean, he started the game at quarterback. He's going. He's at the podium. He's going you to be asked right, press Spider. conference questions. Okay. Yeah. All right. I mean, I, I. Yes, yeah, sure. It's my fault now. Let's blame the media. Blame Miles Simmons because I'm talking about it. it's fun. a quarterback competition. And ah, da, 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 da. it's all look, my fault. I look. know. Okay. All right. I'm sorry. I'm just trying to have some fun. You know, like the fun when a guy makes a spectacular catch that he should have caught the first time, but it was more fun. I'm trying to have some fun. You hate fun. I like fun. You don't. We've established that. Okay. Uh, So Malik Cunningham, three for four, 19 passing yards, 34 rushing yards, and a rushing touchdown. Uh, And, and, yeah, we'll see what they got there. He'll get more time in the preseason as we get closer to the start of of uh, the regular season, and you know, we'll just see. It's it's always nice to have guys on your team that can do a bunch of different things. And Cunningham, a versatile player, that's what Bill Belichick likes. The more that a guy can do, the more valuable he is to Bill Belichick. All right, uh, anything yes. further from uh, Texans Patriots? Anything else you want to complain about that was fun? That you want to find uh, not fun? Anything? I, w- Anything? I would only say All that right. Christian Gonzalez and Keon White looked the part of good defensive young players. I thought that, you know, Keon White probably was the most impressive player on the field last night. The Patriots' second round pick. Christian Gonzalez forced a fumble. I thought that was a nice recovery he had being in coverage. So, other than that, we can go on to the next thing. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, The threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Dogs are an important part of our lives. That means protecting them from parasites. Ask your vet about NexGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and Pyrantal chewable tablets. NexGuard Plus chews provide one-and-done monthly protection against fleas, ticks, heartworm disease, roundworms, and hookworms. Plus, they're delicious and easy to give. Use with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurologic disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting a preventive. Ask about NexGuard Plus chews. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Both a couple of guys that maybe shouldn't have been there when the Patriots got to make their picks. So if they do pan out, good for the Patriots and bad for everybody who passed on those guys before the Patriots could get them. In the nightcap, starting at 10 o'clock Eastern, and there were some technical difficulties early on. I wasn't quite sure we were going to get the feed on NFL Network, but the feed came through about 10 after 10 Eastern time, 7.10 your time. So Mm -hmm. although you still had to get up early, so it balances out. Seahawks and Vikings. Seahawks win the game. Hooray. They're 1-0 in the preseason, 24-13. But uh, the Vikings created a little bit, you know, a little something to build on, a little something to to feel good about, especially with their first-round draft pick, Jordan Addison. Remember, they started into the run of receivers in round one. They started coming off the board with Jackson Smith and Jigba, and then the Vikings, after a couple of different names went, they get Jordan Addison He was targeted three times, one catch for 22 yards, but another one of those targets was a catch 
Should have been a catch. Mistake by the official. And then it wasn't challenged. A great sideline catch by Jordan Addison. Real time, it looked like the feet were up. But when you look at it again, and see, that's, you know, the real time with the naked eye, you really can't see things that happen. That catch on the sideline was a catch. The toes were down. Kevin O'Connell did not challenge it, did not see it, did not get the looks upstairs that you would get in a regular season game. But there it is. Toes down, the little toxic rubber pellets that are ground up for the field turf cushioning uh, have a great purpose when you have a low-tech way of seeing whether or not a guy made a catch. He made that catch. Even though it did look like feet were up, he made that catch. Feet were down. And O'Connell said after the game, he's been doing that all training camp, making catches like that. It doesn't surprise me. I mean, seeing him out here at USC last year, I mean, this is a guy who knows how to make plays. He knows how to get those feet in. And he's made some impressive catches like that in his college career, too. So, I mean, I think if you're listening to the sideline people who are right there, because that thing did happen on the Vikings sideline, right? They're like, it's a catch, it's a catch, it's a catch. But if you don't really get a good look at the replay of it, and you know, you have no idea what you're going to get in terms of replays in the preseason when you're in the coaching box, because that operation from a video feed standpoint is completely different, you know, than what it is in the regular season. So that is what it is. But, you know, I, and Kevin O'Connell said this, it doesn't necessarily take away from the route and the execution because Jordan Addison, we know, made that catch and we know he can make that play. And frankly, once the regular season starts, that catch doesn't count anyway. So it's nice to see it in the preseason. Yes, it didn't count in the preseason, but does it really count anyway? I don't really know. Well, and you know what? For as convinced as I was that it was a catch, I hate to say this. Oh man! Uh, and this this reminds now this reminds me fun? of the hey no 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 look like you're 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 stepping on my setup here. This reminds me, and this is probably a movie before. you didn't see, although it was not an '80s film. Uh, in my cousin Vinny, the analysis of the tracks left by the Buick Skylark. Uh, there's only one track. There's only one track in the toxic rubber pellets. The, uh, the other tire was off the ground. Uh, Matt Casey pointed that out. The left foot was up. I see that black trail of, uh, of and, and really, that is the connection. It, is, it used to be a tire. It's all ground up, and it's in, the, it's yes. in the, the turf. There it is. The right tire was down. The left tire was up. The defense does not hold water. I think I think he got that left toe down enough, you know. I, I, I clear do. and obvious. And Frank, was it clear and, and obvious? And, clear and obvious. Well, okay. Clear and obvious. If, That's the if, standard. If it's the clear and obvious standard, then no. And we would have had more camera angles in a regular season game to see if it was actually clear and obvious. But I do want to clear something up. I have seen my cousin Vinny, so like let's not uh, let's not slander me on that one because I have seen that movie. It's one of the few that I've seen, but I have seen it. You know, and I'm reminded of the the goal that was scored, the penalty kick that that almost wasn't in the Women's World Cup, the knockout no. round lost by the USA to Sweden. That technology they had that showed the 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 ball across the stripe by a couple of millimeters. Again, again, NFL. The index like, card. We That's shouldn't we have. To, we shouldn't. We shouldn't need Mona Lisa Vito to do a an analysis of the of the rubber pellet trail left by the right and left foot of Jordan Addison, there should be some better way to know whether or not 
There's got to be some technology that they can deploy to let us know whether or not both feet were down, other than our own eyes trying to discern the uh, the toxic rubber pellet movement under the feet of Jordan Addison. But, uh, you know, maybe one of these days. I probably won't be alive for it. There's a chance, Miles, that you will be by the time they fully embrace technology. Okay, um, Jackson Smith and Jigba, he got on the field mm-hmm. for the Seattle Seahawks. Four targets, three catches. 24 yards for him, a guy who's got a lot of potential in a receiving core that, like the Vikings, is loaded. Now, the Vikings are expected to have a loaded receiving core because they've got Kevin O'Connell as their head coach. Pete Carroll isn't a guy that has a reputation for liking to sling it around the yard, but, boy, he's going to have some options for Geno Smith this year between DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, and the rookie Smith and Jigba. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the Vikings, let's also put the Vikings, the fact that the Vikings have Justin Jefferson there into the conversation, right? I mean, that's the best receiver in the NFL. So when you have the best receiver in the NFL, you're going to sling that pill a little bit more because you know he can catch it. Now, that's not to say DK Metcalf and and Lockett are slouches, and they're not. And I think adding Jackson Smith and Jigba to that mix is going to be really good. You saw a little bit of that potential that he's got. And obviously, they don't want to reveal too much. Shane Waldron, their offensive coordinator up there. But I, I feel like they're in a good spot with him where you get his feet wet, right? You let him get there on the field. You let him kind of experience the atmosphere with the 12s and whatnot, get some passes from Drew Locke. And you say, okay, you know, this is what you're supposed to do. You went out there, you executed it well. Come back off here and come to the sideline and let's look at it a little bit and enjoy the rest of the night. If that's what you can get out of your first round receiver in his preseason debut, I think the Seahawks have to be happy with that. Um, Well, that's right. And look, it's all about looking the part. You mentioned that about the Patriots defenders. We talk about that with the quarterbacks. How do they look now that they're in an NFL uniform on an NFL field against NFL caliber competition? Do they look like they belong or is there something that we see that makes us say, yeah, this is going to be a little bit of a tough assignment over the long haul for this player? So both guys, Addison and Smith and Jigba, so far, so good. Flip it back to Minnesota, though. Um, we just assume with Dalvin Cook gone and presumably not coming back, although there was some chatter at some point that the door would be open for a return, Alexander Madison takes over. And I have believed all along that there's an opening for more guys to be involved in the running game. It won't just be the Alexander Madison show. Ty Chandler, a guy that the Vikings really liked last year, didn't play a lot last year, played a lot last night. Here's Vikings coach Kevin O'Connell talking about running back Ty Chandler. Ty Chandler jumped out just anytime he had the ball in his hand, very rarely tackled by the first defender um, that was in space, you know, as, you know, catching the ball and then picked up really where he left off as far as uh, his ability when the lights come on to, you know, sometimes turn into a different guy. And, uh, you know, now I want to see it every single day and, and, and really see him be consistent because he's proven, you know, when, when uh, it goes live and it's, it's real football, he's a tough guy to bring to the ground. 70 total yards from scrimmage last night for Chandler. 41 rushing yards on 11 carries. Not a great average of 3.7, but 29 receiving yards on four catches. So I think Chandler, a guy that we need to keep an eye on because it's not just going to be Alexander Madison, I believe. If both guys stay healthy, I think we're going to see both guys get used in this Vikings offense that is pivoting more and more sharply toward the passing game, Miles. 
Well, the, the thing I like about Chandler is he runs downhill, you know? He's one of those guys that you just feel like, ooh, when he gets the ball, and then boom, look at this. He lowers the shoulder. He's going to get that extra yard or two that some guys might not. So you're going to feel his presence out there, and that's what you want from a running back. And really, I think in a perfect world, most teams would have two guys at least that they can rely on out of the backfield right? When it comes to running the ball and that helps you because it keeps both guys fresher so that if you are in a situation where you're a contender and you're challenging for the playoffs, you've got dudes who have fresher legs and can get you more yards against defenders who might not be so fresh when it comes to those late season situations. So I think, yeah, in a perfect world, you have Alexander Madison and maybe he's the lead dog, but just because you're the lead dog doesn't mean it's going to be 80-20, you know? Maybe it's a 70-30 split, 65-35. I I think that teams would like to get more to that 65-35, 60-40 range if they could when it comes to the split with the backs. And maybe with Ty Chandler, that's something that the Vikings are going to be able to do. What it does is it avoids the situation where you create that one guy that everybody loves, fantasy football darling, and then you got to pay him. And he wants more than maybe the position justifies. It's kind of, no, but I'm saying you avoid the Derrick Henry, Austin Eckler, Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. You're wired to disagree with me on everything I say today. I'm agreeing with you. If you have multiple running backs, you don't get yourself in a position where Jonathan Taylor is pissed off because he wants a big contract because he's been the focal point of your rushing attack and your passes out of the backfield. If you have two or three guys like Sean Payton started doing back in 2006, you you don't get to the point where you've got one guy who can hold the team hostage financially and the fans are behind that guy because everybody's got his jersey and everybody loves him and everybody's trying to get him in the first round of their fantasy draft. That's what creates these unrealistic expectations as it relates to the broader NFL economic structure that running backs are going to make more than what the position justifies, especially because you can, if you want, have two or three of them sharing the load and you can replace them more easily than you can replace other players at other positions. So, I mean, that's what the Vikings, that, that helps the Vikings avoid getting into a Dalvin Cook contract situation if you go Madison, Chandler, and maybe throw another guy in there too. Absolutely, it does. But I mean, you pointed to Sean Payton as sort of as an example for that. I mean, I would actually point to Sean Payton and the Saints as a counter to it because they paid Alvin Kamara. So it's not like, you know, once you get into whatever situation you're in, I mean, they had Mark Ingram, they had Kamara when they were at their best, you know, in the late Drew Brees era, they had those two dudes, but it's not like they didn't pay Kamara. They did. So you're, if somebody's really productive and, you know, you have two guys or whatnot, you're still going to have to pay you somebody make at some point. And right. Then, right. right, exactly. Unless you say, all right, goodbye. We love you. We appreciate you, but goodbye. And we're going to continue to do something else in this factory. So, you know, it's, it's six of one, half a dozen of the other, I guess. But it, it's not like when you put guys in those situations where it's more than one, you're not completely going to have to pay anybody ever. There was a time very early in the careers of Christian McCaffrey and Alvin Kamara that the Saints were not happy that McCaffrey was getting all the praise for being the prototypical great running back, running and catching, and he look at this and look at that. And their hey, argument Christian was Christian McCaffrey, what's he done? T- right, but my, uh, let me, can I finish? May I? Sorry. Please? Um, <laughs> Actually, I'm not the, sorry. the argument that the Saints were making was per touch, 
Kamara was better. Per touch, Kamara's more effective. Mm-hmm. And my reaction was like, well, why don't you use him more then? And they ended up paying him like they use him like the Panthers used Christian McCaffrey. And that, that's part of the balance. And something went haywire there because they shouldn't have paid Alvin Kamara all that money. Now, again, Kamara's not getting $15 million a year. He's got this bloated last year's salary that drives the average up from 13 and a half or so to 15. So there's a little fugazi element to it. <laughs> but the point is this. You do short circuit the whole benefit of having multiple running backs if you pay one of them market value. That's the whole idea. When, when you use two or three of them, you shouldn't have to pay one of them market value. And if you do, why aren't you using him more? So uh, that's just part of the overall philosophy at running back, which was the big story in the NFL a couple of weeks ago. But thankfully, the preseason's here. And it, it should stop being a big story, but it will continue to be an issue until Jonathan Taylor is in camp with the team ready to go and playing for the Colts because the guys who play the position well deserve to get paid and the teams would like to find a way to maybe not pay them. One way to do it is to use multiple running backs on a regular basis. All right, let's go ahead and uh, take a break. When we return, Jordan Love, the new Packers quarterback, wants to get hit. Maybe after watching C.J. Stroud last night, he shouldn't. But regardless, it's coming for Love as the preseason starts. We'll discuss that next here on PFT. Dogs are an important part of our lives. That means protecting them from parasites. Ask your vet about NexGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and Pyrantal chewable tablets. NexGuard Plus chews provide one-and-done monthly protection against fleas, ticks, heartworm disease, roundworms, and hookworms. Plus, they're delicious and easy to give. Use with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurologic disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting a preventive. Ask about NexGuard Plus chews. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 